Blog Talk Radio. Calling all men. It's now your time for your show with your coach, The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Relax, be heard, and be understood. It's a show where men can be men. Now here's the coach who has your back, Linda Gross. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today I am enthusiastic to tell you about our show, Pedophilia. 18. Is it just a number? There's a lot of very important people that want to reduce that number, the age of consent number. They want to lower it to 14, lower it to 12, or perhaps throw it out the window altogether. Do you have kids? Is this relevant to you? Would you be in agreement with this? Oh my, oh my, let's talk about this. (laughs) All right, so there are many powerful people who would like to destigmatize pedophilia. Over 800,000 children go missing in the U.S. annually. We've been seeing those milk cartons for the last 30 years, but we haven't really connected the dots. With the R. Kelly arrest, the Jeffrey Epstein arrest, and now his madam girlfriend, Ghislaine Maxwell, the island may now finally just have to blow up. Let's find out what this affliction is and why it's so intoxicating. All right, you can call in on this topic, 323-642-1677, You can also talk to us right here on Blog Talk Radio on our chat line, forward slash DT Linda Gross, forward slash D.T. Linda Gross. So what is the age of consent? Well, according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, if the perpetrator is at least 16 years old and five years older than the child, then it's illegal. All right, so this is the law that they want to get changed. I want to start off the topic with some horrible trends that are coming down the pike. Please be aware of them. Please keep your children safe, all right? Now, by the way, none of these things do I agree with, but I just want to let you know what people are up to. Per a June 2018 report from Cambridge University, the majority of men are probably pedophiles. All right, also that pedophilia interest is normal and healthy in human males. Now, is it common? Yes. Is it healthy? Okay, well, that's the part that's debatable, right? In 2014, there was a New York Times article that declared that pedophilia is not a crime. Instead, it's a disorder. And again, during a 2018 TEDx speech, Pedophilia is not a disorder, but a sexual orientation. Oh, how convenient. And our dear little friend, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is an Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court, 
she wanted to obstruct the prosecution of child sex offenders and wanted to lower the age of consent to 12 years old. Ruthie, Ruthie, Ruthie. A movement to destigmatize pedophilia within academia can be traced back to Alfred Kinsey, Mr. Sex, in 1948. Kinsey worked to lower penalties for sex offenders and said he couldn't understand why children were harmed by being sexually touched by adults. My oh my. In 1997, Alan Dershowitz, boy, he's in the news all the time. He's been in the news since the OJ trial, right? He wrote that statutory rape is an outdated concept. He suggested that 14 eh, could be a pretty good age of consent. Pedophilia is a sexual orientation, claimed the so-called political elites. Hmm. And pull up your chair, stick in your earbuds, listen up to this next one. The elite believe that sex with children is an immortality drug. Wow, let that one, <laughs> let that bomb hit, right? Okay. All right, let's go on to some stats. Half of all child sexual abuse victims are 12 to 17 years old. Nearly all people with pedophilic tendencies are male. Only 1%, 1 to 6% of perpetrators are female. Female teachers are, I think, the female teachers that have sex with their 13-year-olds, you know, we've heard a lot of this in recent years, I think it's because they're under the influence of prescription drugs. These drugs make them do crazy things. In general, men have 10 times the amount of testosterone than women do. I think in general, females do not have a predilection to be pedophiles, all right? That's why it's only 1%, right? About 50 to 70% of people with pedophilic tendencies are also diagnosed with another paraphilia, such as exhibitionism, voyeurism, or sadism. Roughly 9 to 40% of pedophiles are homosexual in their orientation towards children, but that's not the same as saying that they are homosexual. Homosexual adults are no more likely than heterosexuals to abuse children. Although oral, anal, and vaginal penetration is less common, most people with pedophilic tendencies tend to eventually, they end up acting on their sexual urges in some way. Typically, Here's the things that they do. They expose themselves to children, watch naked children, masturbate in front of children, or touch children's genitalia. In most cases, pedophiles already know the children. Almost 90% of sexually abused children are abused by someone they already know. The abuser is a relative, neighbor, family friend, teacher, coach, clergyman, or someone else who is in regular contact with the child. Of the remaining 10%, some are victimized as part of a sex trade where children are bought and sold for cash. A survey that followed the child sex offenders after 25 years found that one-fourth 
of the heterosexual pedophiles and one half of the homosexual or bisexual pedophiles went on to commit another sexual offense against children. 17% of child sex offenders will reoffend within two years. It's a fact that most people with pedophilic tendencies remain invisible in the community, partly because they have not yet been charged with or they have not yet been convicted of crimes. That's really a shame. It is suggested that adult males who report childhood sexual abuse by mothers may have a tendency to become pedophiles. What? Let, let's hear this one again, right? It is suggested that adult males who reported childhood sexual abuse by mothers may have a tendency to become pedophiles. Now, I know you guys hate my guts. In my book, there's a section on there that mothers who want to have sex with their male sons, I know you didn't believe it, but here it pops up in the news again, right? So go check out my book, by the way. You can find it on Amazon. Most people request the paperback version. That's what most people do. They like highlighting it, dog-earing the pages and what have you, and reading a certain section for reference material. So you can do that, or you can just download the ebook version in about uh, 60 to 90 seconds, and away you go. All right. So studies suggest anywhere between 33 and 75% of child sex offenders report being sexually abused as children. By the way, the name of my book is The Science of Mastering Women. The Science of Mastering Women, The Real Truth About Women That Will Change Your Life Forever. All right, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about pedophilia. Is it curable? Right? Is it curable? Okay, you can chime in on this topic, 323-642-1677. 323-642-1677. Talk to you right back after the break. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women, too. Hi, guys. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show. Linda Gross wants you to know what turns a woman on and makes her go wild so she just can't help herself. Check out Linda's book, Mastering Women, Real Truth About Women That'll Change Your Life Forever. Linda gives you all the insider tips on how to catch a woman and, if you want, to keep her. In four easy steps, these proven techniques will make women just melt. Ever wonder why the girl you really liked seemed to be great when you met, and then all of a sudden just goes cold on you and turns you off? Linda will also let you know what not to do on a date. Never blow it again by losing another hot woman. You don't have to be good looking or even have money. Her book, Mastering Women, is available in paperback and ebook. Men, Linda's on your side. So buy her book, Mastering Women. Buy it for now. And don't keep your women waiting another minute. Get Mastering Women today. 
You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases, and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today we are talking about pedophilia. 18. Is it just a number? I guess back in the day, somebody decided that this was an arbitrary number. There are people today that they want to reduce the number to the age of consent to 14, 12, or maybe even toss the whole number out entirely. Do you have kids? Is this important to you? All right, that's what we're talking about. Call us at 323-642-1677, 323-642-1677. All right, so in this segment, I'm going to talk about is pedophilia curable? While there is no evidence that pedophilia can be cured, instead most therapies focus on helping the pedophile refrain from acting on their desires. Like other sexual orientations, pedophilia is unlikely to change. Outcomes are better when treatment combines psychotherapy and medication. Chemical or physical castration may be indicated. Drugs that suppress production of testosterone are used to reduce the frequency or intensity of sexual desires. That's what they're calling a chemical castration, is a drug that represses the production of testosterone. The bad news is is that it may take 3 to 10 months for testosterone suppression to reduce sexual desire. Wow, a lot of the people who say, is it nature or nurture, and you guys all want to believe that it's nurture, your environment, and I keep saying, no, no, it's nature. This speaks again to just how strong Mother Nature is, just how strong biology really is. If it's taking a drug three to ten months to suppress the testosterone, it means that Mother Nature wants you to procreate. It wants you to have a sex drive, right? It wants to have a continuance of the species. So it's understandable how the sexual desire does not get impaired all that strongly. Also, I'd like to mention if the patient does do chemical castration, it's voluntary. So what sex addict are you going to get to voluntarily (laughs) uh, take this drug? Again, a big problem. All right, so child sex offenders are driven by a desire to dominate and control. They don't simply just have a sexual desire, which is why voluntary chemical castration doesn't work. Now, there was a study, according to the Ottawa Mental Health Center in Canada, and they claimed that pedophile patient of theirs was cured of his addiction by his therapist giving him a steady diet of adult pornography. So the patient claims that his sexual interests have settled down and he's no longer interested or aroused by children 
and he now exclusively focuses on age-appropriate women. What do the rest of the psychological community think? Well, many experts remain highly skeptical of this example, saying that scientific evidence indicates pedophilia is, in fact, unchangeable and is as hardwired for men as being, say, heterosexual or gay. How do you change that, right? Well, let's break the rules, shall we? In the 19th century, there was a historian called Lord Acton, and he concluded that absolute power corrupts absolutely. People with power think they are justified in breaking the rules, not only because they think they can get away with it, but because they feel at some level they are entitled to take what they want. My, oh my. All right, let's move on to the Epstein case. So Epstein sexually trafficked minors, making them available to politically connected and financially powerful people. Epstein's purposes in lending, quote unquote, young girls to such powerful people were to ingratiate himself with them for business, personal, political, and financial gain, as well as to obtain potential blackmail information against them. So Epstein's trial was booked for two federal counts of sex trafficking and conspiracy. And the trial was supposed to begin around June 8th of 2020. Epstein's lawyer said that they expected to review more than 1 million pages of evidence while preparing for the case. And because of this, because of the magnitude of the case and the volume of data that they had, his lawyers requested more time to prepare and they set a new trial date, which was supposed to begin after this Labor Day 2020. A 2007 federal sex crimes indictment in Florida resulted in a lenient plea deal. The agreement granted him and his anonymous co-conspirators immunity, and they rendered all the documents sealed. A federal judge issued an order in July to unseal the documents associated with the case, which could implement other rich and powerful people. So Epstein served 13 months in a county jail with 12 hours of work release, six days a week after conviction on a Florida state prostitution charge. He was a registered sex offender both in Florida and New York. Fast forward to now, Epstein was found to kill himself by hanging in his Manhattan jail cell on August 10, 2019. So just past the one year anniversary. Prison officials have been investigating the incident as a possible suicide attempt, which Surprisingly enough, after a year, this case is still pending. All right, so due to violations in the normal jail cell procedures on the night of Epstein's death and the alleged malfunction of two cameras in front of his cell and his claims to have compromising information about powerful figures, his death generated speculation about the possibility that he was murdered. This New York City coroner determined that it was suicide. The brother of Epstein didn't really like that answer because 
he thought that there might be some foul play. He hired another coroner. Of course, you guys might recognize this name from the OJ trial, the famous coroner, Dr. Bodden. Anyway, Dr. Bodden has determined that there's no way that this could have been a suicide, that it indeed was a homicide. So we'll see how that plays out as well. On September 5th, the body was buried in an unmarked tomb next to those of his parents at the Morris Star of David Mausoleum in Palm Beach, Florida. His parents' names were recently removed from their tombstone to prevent vandalism. All right, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back from the break, we'll be joined by my guest, attorney Michael W. Brown. Hey guys, do you have a nagging problem that you just can't get a handle on? Now you can talk to an expert coach right in the privacy of your own home. Meet in person, over the phone, or with a free Skype call anywhere in the world. Linda is here to make it easy for you. Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Linda's expert advice gets you through tackling relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and removing lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back, usually handled in four sessions or less. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's themensadvocate.com slash coaching. Darn! Maybe you missed part of this show. Maybe you're still at work during the show. Maybe you heard the show but would like to listen again. Your problems are easily solved. Listen to any and all of Linda's archived shows at your convenience. Just Google SoundCloud The Men's Advocate. That's Google SoundCloud The Men's Advocate. The on-demand library is also available on the TuneIn app. Subscribe now and please share with your friends. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to The Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today we are talking about pedophilia. 18. Is it just a number? And now I want to bring on our legal expert, Michael W. Brown, from the law offices of Michael W. Brown. Welcome, Michael, to the show. This is Michael. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Linda. How are you? Great, and thank you for joining us today. Well, as you know, the media spotlight with regard to pedophilia has really intensified. It started a couple of years ago with the R. Kelly case and underage girls, and now it has moved over to the Epstein case. And since the judge has ruled that since Epstein suicide, death by suicide, he dismissed all charges in the case. So my question to you is, do the victims have any rights or recourse? I mean, if we just narrow down Epstein's real estate holdings alone, they are massive. Most of his properties are over $50 million, and he's got six residences all over the world. Shouldn't the victims get some of that money? Your question really was, why would the judge throw out the case or dismiss the case just because Sir Epstein was dead? Well, the thing is, is unfortunately, when you are in the criminal court system, the only way they can punish you is by taking away some sort of right, either by imprisonment, penalty or fine, or by death. And in this particular case, 
the punishments or the penalties that he was susceptible to were only those that could be applied if he were alive. So it is very normal and standard in cases like this where someone has either taken their own life or passed away, natural causes or homicide, for a judge to dismiss the criminal case against the defendant, which should not be confused with any type of prejudice or dismissal against any civil action that may take place. So all the victims still will have a case against Mr. Epstein's estate for recovery of any and all damages. There are very few, if any, cases where a criminal conviction is necessary in order to proceed with something else. And in most cases, a criminal conviction generally is not used in a civil case to prove that the person is, in fact, liable. Each state differs somewhat on that, but in general, it's not a conclusive win for somebody to say, well, weren't you convicted in a criminal court, so therefore you must be liable in the civil court. That's not the the case. So the reason is basically is by death, he has avoided any possible penalty that the law could impose upon him. I was reading that if Epstein were still alive and if he were convicted, he would have faced up to 45 years in prison. So if I'm to understand you correctly, since the criminal trial has come to an end due to death, that the victims may have an opportunity to open up the civil trial and possibly get reimbursed that way. That is correct. Basically, depending on the amount of damages awarded, yes, all the victims could basically do attachments, liens, and sell all his holdings and get the money. Now, with his death, it's just a matter of going against his estate. And instead of Epstein being in prison, the executor of his estate would have to make sure that all those debts were paid. Gotcha. Would it be hard for the victims to get recovery, or should they definitely pursue it and they have a fairly good shot at it? Well, I believe they will, because basically the only person who could deny it is dead. Unless there are other witnesses who can say, I was there on that date with Jeffrey Epstein, and I know for a fact that he was not with these young girls. A lot of times, these psychos actually recorded themselves, so it shouldn't be too hard to prove if they can find the tapes. It will not be as difficult to prove civil liability as criminal. Criminal liability requires proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Civil liability only requires preponderance of the evidence, which means more likely than not. And so, therefore, if they have just circumstantial evidence, such as videotapes of him going into rooms or saying other things, et cetera, that, along with the testimony of the victims, would be probably sufficient for them to do a finding of an award against the Epstein estate. Great. My other question to you is the former girlfriend and madam, Jelaine Maxwell, 
she could have just stayed on the island and avoided extradition, but she stupidly decided to come back to the United States, and then she got arrested on her estate in New Hampshire. Of course, Epstein was a very sick individual and had his affliction, but the victims say that Miss Maxwell was actually the brains of the operation because she procured the girls. She found the girls, she groomed the girls, she brought the girls to the island, and she was high society, so she knew all these VIP people, that she could match up the girls with the VIP people. So, yeah, she held all the cards. So my question is, should she talk and possibly get immunity? Or should she just stay quiet? Because, you know, if she talks, they may kill her off as well. Well, in this particular case, it is highly unlikely that any federal prosecutor would grant her immunity from prosecution if she divulged names and who was there and who wasn't there. Not only that, she would have to basically only be able to testify who came to the island. And unless she was in the room at the time that the uh, crime was committed, she wouldn't be able to testify to that and support any allegations against any third parties. Now, I suspect that what her attorney may end up doing is try and play the Helsinki syndrome card and basically try and pass her off as either A, a dupe of Jeffrey Epstein or under some sort of Bengali control or some sort of blackmail situation where she was forced to do his bidding, including the procurement of various women. Hmm. That's a good approach. Well, I don't know if she will, but I do believe it's uh, a likely possibility as a explanation to reduce the charges. I don't think her charges will be eliminated completely. So what would be her incentive to reveal the VIP names? Time in jail. Oh, I see. So she wouldn't get full immunity, but she would get reduced time in jail. Yeah, reduction in jail time. Not only that, I would suspect also that, and I certainly don't want to imply that any court system is corrupt, but I would imagine that if she opts for that avenue or position, that she has some probably very powerful people who will probably try and influence the wills of justice to be more lenient on her. Right. If she does make it past the trial, do you think she should go under a witness protection program where she changes her identity, she changes her name, et cetera, et cetera? Would this help? Yeah. Uh, political enemies are different than organized crime enemies. I don't think a witness protection program would work. Oh, why so? Because of political connections with so many people in so many different governments, basically wanting to keep this information quiet, I don't think there's any place she could go. Gotcha. Some of the victims have testified that Ghislaine Maxwell was in the room during some of these sex acts. Well, the victims coming forward is obviously critical. Yeah, because that way it's not hearsay. 
Right. It's all personal testimony. But like with most things, the defense is going to argue that they're all jumping on the I want to be rich bandwagon and get their piece of Epstein's estate and that if something did go on, it was consensual and for most of them, it didn't go on as they said or there were no representations. Nobody on the island knew these girls or kids were under the age. You're more than likely you're going to see a lot of different positions to try and make the victims basically look like money-hungry people. Absolutely. Okay, Michael, I know your time is limited. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Linda. It's a pleasure to speak to you again. Talk to you soon. Okay. Our legal expert, Michael W. Brown. I've used Michael several times before, and I highly recommend him. Use him for business law, contract law, labor law, employee law, and whatever else that comes up. If he can't handle it personally, I'm sure he'll make a referral, and it won't cost you a ton of money. From the law offices of Michael W. Brown, you can reach him at 949-636-8128, or email him at mwb, just like his initials, at mwb-law.net. Don't worry, I'll put it all on the uh, social media. As a result of his death, all charges against Epstein were dismissed and ongoing sex trafficking investigations shifted attention to his alleged associates, notably Ghislaine Maxwell, who was now arrested and indicted July of 2020. So while Epstein's death effectively brings an end to his criminal case, victims, it is said, could still sue his estate in civil court. Okay, so they argue, the former federal prosecutor argues that since Epstein wasn't deposed and that he's not able to defend himself, that that should not be allowed. So we'll see how that pans out. Any restitution that the victims might have sought or any forfeiture of assets in connection with the prosecution, according to the federal former prosecutor, effectively have disappeared. Lisa Bloom, who is the daughter of Gloria Allred, who is also an attorney, is now representing some of the women with allegations against Epstein. And she made it clear on Twitter that she and her clients do plan to pursue civil cases against his estate. I am calling today for the admins of the Jeffrey Epstein estate to freeze all of his assets and hold them for his victims who are filing cases. Their lives have been shattered by his sexual assaults and their careers have been derailed. They deserve full and fair compensation for their involvement in this crime. All right, so there is such a precedent for such a move. In 2007, the Department of Justice brought a civil forfeiture action against the estate of the founder of Enron Corporation, CEO Kenneth Lay, who died of a heart attack while facing charges of 
engineering a massive fraud. Former federal prosecutor Jeff Marcus said that he thinks it is likely that federal prosecutors will do the same in this case due to the number of victims and the vast extent of the case. Now, Epstein owned six very high-end homes, Manhattan, Palm Beach, two Caribbean islands, New Mexico, and Paris. His worth was about a half a billion when he died. Now, his residence in Manhattan records show that the title for this Beaux-Arts mansion, by the way, it's one of the largest mansions in New York City, it said that the title had transferred from his mentor and client, Les Wexner, who is responsible for Victoria's Secret and The Limited and a lot of other retail chains. Supposedly, he just transferred title to Epstein. All right. So right now, I think it's on the market for $80 million for this 40-room house. All right, thank you for joining us. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. We are talking about pedophilia. 18 is just a number. Is it just a number or is it a fair number? Is it an accurate number where children are not damaged by the sexual intent of the perpetrator? I want you to chime in on this. Call us at 323-642-1677-323. 6421677 All right we will catch you right back after the break The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross we will be discussing men's issues dating relationships sex women fitness health business men's hobbies men's rights and more she will be talking about excerpts from her men's book Mastering Women too Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Let's turn our attention now to the R. Kelly case and have a listen to one of the songs that he produced. song was Age Ain't Nothing But a Number, which was a song by American singer Aaliyah from her 1994 debut solo album of the same name. The song was written and produced by R. Kelly, and lyrically the song is about a young girl wanting to date an older man. Actually, it's the other way around, but you know, that's how they had to couch it. The song first faced controversy after its release when a marriage certificate emerged stating that 15-year-old Aaliyah had married 27-year-old R. Kelly. In 2002, he was indicted on 13 counts of child pornography, but was acquitted on all charges in 2008. In January 2019, with a widely viewed Lifetime docuseries, entitled Surviving R. Kelly, detailed allegations of sexual abuse by multiple women, allegations that Kelly denies. 
On July 11, 2019, Kelly was arrested on federal charges alleging sex crimes and obstruction of justice. Kelly faces a total of 18 federal counts, including child pornography, kidnapping, and forced labor. He is currently incarcerated at the Metropolitan Correctional Center in Chicago. Kelly is facing charges in four different jurisdictions across the country where he is being accused of sexually abusing and exploiting underage girls for over the course of 25 years. His new trial date is set for October 13, 2020. It was pushed back a few months to allow the inclusion of yet another new accuser. If convicted, Kelly may be sentenced to 104 years in prison. Wow. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on our show today. If you happen to have liked our show, there's many ways that you can show your love. Listen, call, subscribe, chat, like our fan page, follow, comment, share, tell a friend, advertise with me, start with my Amazon link, download my app, and of course, buy my book, The Science of Mastering Women, The Science of Mastering Women, The Real Truth About Women That Will Change Your Life Forever. All right, go to Amazon, check it out. You can download the ebook in a few seconds, or what most people do is they actually ask for the paperback. It comes in about a week. My readers tell me that they read it again and again and again. They use yellow highlighter, they earmark the pages, and it's all good. It's all right there for you. Also, I wanted to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, How Not to Become a Millennial, How Not to Become a Millennial, learning from America's largest social disaster by author Vince Barrick. Again, how not to become a millennial. All right, don't become one, right? Even if you're a different age, don't do it. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much. We will see you next time right here on Blog Talk Radio. We're usually here Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Bye for now. We'll catch you next time on the Men's Advocate Show.